Okay, so this morning we're back in our series uh, in Mark's Gospel. Um, we're taking time to look together uh, at Peter uh, and his response um, to all that Jesus uh, is facing. Thanks, man. Uh, Peter uh, is someone who fled uh, and who chose to, to go down a particular route. Um, and it resulted in what it is we read uh, in our passage today. Um, our passage really is a fresh reminder for us that the Bible is full of imperfect people. Peter is someone who is broken, who is messed up, who makes mistakes on a consistent basis. We see this throughout the Gospels. And it reminds us of each one of us because we are also broken, messed up, and we often make mistakes in our lives. And so if you have your Bibles, let's take some time to look together at Mark 14. We're going to start in verses 27 to 31 uh, because this is really the context for our passage in verses 66 to 72. Uh, I'm reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. The words are going to be up on the screen. There's Bibles up at the back there if you want a CSB. Uh, And so let's just go back and read uh, verse 27 uh, of chapter 14. So Mark writes, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will fall away, because it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter told him, Even if everyone falls away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to him, Today, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he kept insisting, If I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And they all said the same thing. And then if we jump across to verse 66 of the same chapter, after Jesus has been betrayed and falsely accused by the religious leaders, we read these words, While Peter was in the courtyard below, one of the high priests' maidservants came. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. Then he went out to the entryway, and a rooster crowed. When the maidservant saw him again, she began to tell those standing nearby, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. After a little while, those standing there said to Peter again, You certainly are one of them, since you're also a Galilean. Then he started to curse and swear, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately a rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered when Jesus had spoken the word to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Uh, This past week, uh, I've been organising Alexander's Thanksgiving service. um, And this has been a chance for me uh, to connect with people who knew Alexander before we met him. We met Alexander a couple of years ago, uh, or Pauline did, uh, at the Teen Challenge bus on a Friday night. Pauline invited Alexander along. Uh, to church the following Sunday uh, and amazingly everyone was, was quite, quite, quite kind of sceptical about him coming along but he came along that following Sunday um, and eventually he came to that place of faith uh, and trust in Jesus um, but we were aware of the fact that many people knew Alexander before we met him on the Teen Challenge bus and so I was aware of this as I was just making contact with different people um, I've really got no idea uh, about who he was before 2016 and so I was just praying about that and asking God what do we do in terms of preparing this service because obviously he was a blessing to so many of us 
but at the same time, um, there's little knowledge uh, about what who he was um, before that and the different context that he was in. And God just reminded me through his spirit um, that he knew Alexander. Um, God knew Alexander better than Alexander knew himself. Um, and that was really encouraging because despite all that might have happened before, God was with him in every single moment. God knew him. And God brought about that transformation that he longed for. And we saw that in his life as he came here at different points and was a part of his church family. And our passage this morning, in many ways, is a parallel picture of that reality. And Peter um, was someone who was known by Jesus. And Jesus knew Peter better than Peter knew himself. On Monday at our conversation cafe, we had this uh, program, this charity came in called Mind and Draw. Uh, and it was really a, a sort of arts uh, program where we drew, uh, we wrote our name and then we drew different pictures around our name. And so we had to draw a different picture relating to each letter of our name. So M-A-R-K. M was fine. A was okay. R was great. But I was really struggling with K. I was struggling to really think of a, a picture or something that related to the letter K that described myself. And again, God by his spirit, it really just hit me. I'm known. I'm known by God. And God has known me in every season and every situation of life. And that brought great encouragement um, to my soul um, as we did that uh, on Monday. In the first part of Psalm 139, we read these words. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. What an incredible truth for us this morning. God knows us. He knows every single thought of our lives. He is with us in the really difficult situations of life. And he knows what it is we're going through. But he's also with us when things are going well, when we're rejoicing in a blessing or a provision. God knows us and he knows us better than we know ourselves. And this was true for all of the disciples, including Peter. And this is why we read what it is we read in verse 27 uh, of our passage. And the words will be up on the screen. Uh, then Jesus said to them in verse 27, All of you will fall away because it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So Jesus knew something. He knew how fickle they were and what it is that they had prioritised within their hearts. They were more concerned about their own personal PR than loving Jesus and living for him wholeheartedly. And it is Peter that pipes up in verse 29. Peter told him, even if everyone falls away, I will not. And this is a kind of <clears throat> this is a kind of funny moment from Peter because he's doing two things here. He's basically saying to Jesus that he's wrong. And he's also disassociating himself with the rest of the disciples. He's saying, well, thanks for those words of wisdom, Jesus, but I, I don't agree with what you're saying. I'm actually a really godly and holy man, unlike these other disciples. And it's incredible how it is that Jesus responds. He basically drops a pastoral bomb in verse 30, he says, Truly I tell you, today this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. 
So Jesus is crystal clear here in making the point that Peter is no better than any of the other disciples. In fact, the case could be made for Peter being the worst out of all of them. Because not only does Jesus predict that he's going to run away, he also predicts that, G- that Peter is going to deny Jesus three times. And we read in verse 31, He kept insisting, If I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And they all said the same thing. What we are seeing here is sheer defiance towards Jesus from Peter. Jesus is effectively telling Peter, this is who you are. This is what is going on within your own heart. And Peter is responding by saying, that's nonsense. I'm so much better than who you think I am. This is not who I am. I'm this kind of person. In doing this, Peter is forgetting that Jesus knows Peter better than Peter knows himself. But when Jesus speaks here, he's speaking the word of God. And every word from God proves true. And as God says these words, there is a promise that they will come to pass. Which is what we see in verses 66 to 72. Now as we look at this passage of the second part, it's important we understand that what it is that Peter goes through was happening at the exact same time as Jesus was facing this trial from the Sanhedrin. And Mark is presenting these two moments as a contrast. The way in which Jesus responds and the manner in which Peter responds to a maidservant and eventually to a crowd. William Lane says this, at a precise moment when the court attendants were heaping scorn and derision upon Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, the prophecy that Peter would deliberately deny him was being fulfilled. And so we read in verses 66 to 67, while Peter was in the courtyard below, one of the high priest's maidservants came. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. Now the way in which Jesus, or sorry, the way in which this maidservant speaks here in verse 67, it might look fairly normal to us in terms of what it is she says. But the words that she speaks are constructed in such a way that without question, she is looking to both deride Jesus and to accuse Peter. And she's also wanting to identify Peter as being one of Jesus' disciples. And Peter's response is immediate in verse 6 to 8. He denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. Then he went out to the entryway and a rooster crowed. So Peter here is using a common response of denial in Jewish tradition. When someone is basically accusing someone else, their response in those days was one of, I've got no idea what you're talking about. And the maidservant is persistent. She's like a dog with a bone. She starts to rally the troops. And in verse 69, the maidservant saw him again. She began to tell those standing nearby, this man is one of them. So the way in which a maidservant describes Peter shows that this Jesus movement was quite significant. It had gathered pace. Everyone could identify with who Jesus was and the people who had gathered around him. And we read in the first part of verse 70, Peter's response to the second accusation. But again, he denied it. So God has given him opportunity to respond in the right way. He's denied it once and then he's denying it a second time. 
And soon everyone is joining in and bringing this accusation against Peter. And we read in the second part of verse 70. <clears throat> After a little while, those standing there sent to Peter again, You certainly are one of them, since you're also a Galilean. So they're convinced you're definitely one of these followers of Jesus. You can feel the temperature rising. It's getting tense. And Peter's not the kind of guy who controls his emotions. He's on the precipice here. He's about to explode. And we read this in verse 71. Then he started to curse and swear. I don't know this man you're talking about. So Peter here is cursing himself if he is lying. Which he is. Which makes it even more ridiculous. He's bringing a curse upon himself. And he is also cursing those who are accusing him. And notice in this phrase that Peter says, he describes Jesus as this man. Sheer contempt from Peter towards Jesus in order to save his skin. Peter is in many regards fulfilling the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 8 and verse 38. Jesus said, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So Peter is pouring all of his energy into convincing other people that he is not connected with Jesus in any way whatsoever. And then it suddenly hits him. Verse 72. Immediately a rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered when Jesus had spoken the word to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he was convicted. He broke down and wept. So you couldn't get two more contrasting passages. One where Peter is saying that he is a disciple of disciples. This great and godly man. And the next one where he is doing the opposite of what he said he was. So as we examine these passages, the issue that arises is one of integrity. Integrity. Peter was someone who clearly lacked integrity. Who he was was different and it was dependent upon where he was, who he was around. Rick Warren says integrity means you're the same person with everybody in your speech, actions and motives, no matter which part of life you're dealing with. The way you are with the most neglected and rejected person in society ought to be the same when you're in contact with someone really significant, the Prime Minister or a member of the Royal Family or someone you see as very important. Integrity means you are the same no matter who it is that you're speaking to. So you and I lack integrity when we start to compartmentalise our life. You know, when I say, okay, I'm going to be this kind of mark here, and then in these situations, I'm going to be this kind of mark, and then this kind of mark in this particular situation. This is what we had in our passage with the example of Peter. We had disciple Peter. He was someone who was coming across as this great and godly man, better than the rest of the disciples, one who would give his life over to Jesus. And then we had, I'm trying to save my skin, Peter. Someone who was more concerned about the short-term hardship that he faced. You know, what a tragedy if that is any of us this morning. If we choose to be different people, 
depending upon where it is we are. If we think that we can get away with it, we can't, we won't, we'll be found out. God always has the last word, just like God had the last word within this passage. Who Peter was in a safe environment where everyone was speaking Christian things was very different from who he was outside of that environment. <clears throat> so who we are in this context, is it the same as who we are outside of this context? As we gather and as we encourage and as we say things like, I'll pray for you, are we the same kind of person outside of that? When we're with non-Christians, and we're connecting with non-Christians in some way, do we also say to them, can I pray for you? It's not just for other believers. In fact, it's an incredible missional opportunity for us to ask someone if they would like prayer. So who are you here this morning? And who are you this afternoon? Outside of this church environment, in the midst of non-Christians, Proverbs 29.25 says this, uh, the, fear of, the fear of mankind is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. The fear of mankind is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. So this in many ways is a picture of both Peter and Jesus. We see the contrast and attitudes of Peter and Jesus in this proverb. Peter is a man who fears man. He says to the crowd, I do not know the man speaking of Jesus. He lays a snare for himself. But as Jesus trusts in his heavenly father, he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. He is secure. He's at peace. So in fear, Peter denies and flees and in trust Jesus obeys and he endures so when we compare Jesus and Peter I hope we can see this morning that there really is no comparison in this passage Peter is not someone that we should follow he is not imitating Christ Christ is the one that we should live in light of as we see his example in the previous passage and I want us just for a moment to reflect upon Holy Week and to reflect upon the example of Peter and the example of Jesus. And this is something we looked at to some extent in our Good Friday service. But it really helps us to see how great Jesus is, but also how broken and messed up we all are. As we think of the mistakes we make, we can in many ways identify with Peter. So Jesus... And this is something we've looked at. Jesus is arrested. Uh, Jesus is put on trial. Jesus is falsely accused. Jesus is condemned to death. Jesus is spat in the face. Jesus is punched in the face. Jesus is slapped in the face. Jesus is mocked. Jesus is ridiculed. Jesus is flogged with a lead-tipped whip. Jesus is stripped naked. Jesus is given a scarlet robe and a crown of thorns. And Jesus is made to carry his own cross to the place where he would die. 
Jesus falls under the weight of this heavy cross. Jesus' physical body is nailed to that cross. His hands and his feet are driven into the wood. Jesus is lifted up on the cross with his body literally hanging off the cross. Jesus on the cross is ridiculed. Jesus on the cross is slandered as his body gasps for air. Jesus dies on the cross. And through all of that, Jesus trusts and Jesus endures. He believes that his heavenly, his heavenly Father has his very best for him. And so what of Peter? What did Peter go through? How does it compare to what it is that Jesus went through? Well, Peter is asked once, do you know Jesus? And Peter denies that he knows Jesus. Peter is asked a second time, do you know Jesus? And he denies that he knows Jesus. Peter is asked a third time, do you know Jesus? And he again denies that he knows Jesus, cursing himself and other people. As Jesus is put on trial, Peter denies. As Jesus is being hit, Peter runs away in tears. As Jesus is being crucified, Peter hides. Is there really any comparison this morning? As we look at the example of Peter, and as we look at the example of Jesus, I hope we see the absolute hopelessness of humanity and the greatness of Jesus, the obedience of Christ through his endurance. We see in this passage how broken we are and how great Jesus really is. It's an incredible truth for us to think about. Jesus went through all of this for you and for me. And that's the gospel. Jesus did all of this for us so that we could have life and life in all its fullness. And I want us for a moment just to reflect upon Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. And the words will be up on the screen. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we can all testify to this in our lives this morning. We all recognise that we have all sinned. We all fall short of the standard that God has set. We all know deep down inside that we are broken, that we are messed up, that we are in need of God's grace. I think every single one of us, who I know every one of us, can identify with Romans 3.23. But the incredible truth is that Jesus didn't leave us like that. John chapter 3 verse 16 speaks of this incredible reality of the gospel. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So in other words, Jesus came on this rescue mission. We were dead in our sin. We couldn't match the standard that God had set for us. And Jesus came down and he rescued us from ourselves. And he gave us life and life eternal. And as a Christian, as someone who has been a Christian for a long time, I'm ashamed of a number of occasions where I can take this truth lightly. I can assume my salvation and my relationship with Jesus. The incredible truth is that we don't do anything to earn to receive God's merit. Jesus does everything for us. He gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life.
we receive Jesus by repentance. We turn from our sin, but also by faith. We believe that God has his very best for us. Matt Chandler is a pastor in, in Texas, <clears throat> in the village church, and he says this phrase uh, to his church family on a regular basis. It's okay to not be okay. God meets you where you are. And I want us to understand that truth this morning. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay if we're in a place this morning where we recognise that it is difficult and we can't see any way forward in our life, that we are battling with sin. The amazing truth of the gospel is that God meets us where we are. God visits us through his Son and in the power of the Holy Spirit. This was true for Peter and all that he went through in his life. Peter recognised how broken he was. And from that context, Peter then could see how great Jesus was. And so let me invite you this morning to give your life to Jesus if you haven't already done so. To put your faith in him. To be aware of the sin in your life. And to confess that sin. And from that place of confession, to believe that Jesus really does have his very best for you. That he would bring about that transformation in your life. You know, our prayer is that every single one of you would know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, you experience God's transformation. And this is exactly what happened to Peter beyond this moment. This is not the end for Peter. This is not a full stop. This is a comma for Peter. Beyond this moment, God uses Peter in incredible ways. Peter went from this cowardly, opinion-pole-driven worm of a man to someone who then in the fullness of the Holy Spirit was able to preach the word of God. And through him being used by God, he saw transformation in people's lives. Many people come into faith. And he said these words in Acts 2, Therefore let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So he could say with confidence to these people, You crucified Jesus. Peter went from denying Jesus to directly challenging those who deny Jesus. Now that's quite an incredible step and that's in a matter of a few weeks. Transformation in Peter's life. It is only Jesus who can bring about this kind of transformation. We can't do this ourselves. It is only by God's grace that he can change us. Not only that, but Peter was able to write the words of 1 Peter 3 verses 15 to 17 and I find this verse this passage quite incredible in light of what it is we've just read so Peter said encouraging the early church but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Now, I hope we can see this morning the sheer irony of that passage in light of what we've read about Peter. What Peter writes here in First Peter chapter 3 is the opposite 
of what he did in our passage. He did not regard Christ the Lord as holy. He wasn't ready to give reason for the hope that was in him. He wasn't gentle. He didn't show any kind of respect. And he did something in this passage that was by definition evil. And yet Peter, with confidence in Christ, could encourage the early believers with this truth. It's an incredible truth for Peter, and it's an incredible truth for each one of us. Peter had experienced transformation in his life. But more than that, Peter wasn't looking back. He wasn't looking back as to who he was. Don't waste your time this morning looking back to those Mark chapter 14 moments in your life. Those moments where you remember and we've all got these moments where we remember something that we did or said and we almost shudder. I can't believe I said that or I can't believe I did that. Peter didn't do this. He always looked ahead and he believed that God's plan for him was priority and that is what he focused on. Jesus and his plan for him. What is in the past is in the past. God is transforming you today. And God has incredible things for you in the future. Jesus said as much himself in, in Luke chapter 9 and verse 62. No one puts his hand to the plough and looks back as fit for the kingdom of God. No one put, who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So have you ever tried to do that, to walk forward physically and look backwards? I wouldn't recommend it because you will hit a dog or a, a person or a lamppost or a car will hit you or something. It just, it, it's dangerous, but it also looks ridiculous as well. You look silly. And I'm not going to try and attempt that just to show how ridiculous it looks. But I want us to see that, that many of us do this in our lives spiritually. We know how ridiculous it is physically to walk forward but to look backwards. But we do it all the time spiritually. We find ourselves trying to live for Jesus. But thinking back to a particular situation or a moment. And it can be 5, 10, 15, over 20 years ago. We're still living in the past. And not reflecting upon what Jesus has for each one of us in the future. You wouldn't do it physically so why are you doing it spiritually? Let me just remind you of the words of Jesus in Luke 9, 62. No one, and by no one he means nobody, who puts his hand to the plough, in other words, those doing the work of God, and looks back, that could be anything, to a moment, or an old way of life, or a relationship. No one who does that is fit <clears throat> for the kingdom of God. It couldn't be any simpler for us this morning. If you're living your life in the past, you'll be both ineffective and unfruitful and you'll lack joy. You won't have any joy in your life. God has amazing things for you and so step into that plan that he has. Let us understand life as Peter understood life. Yes, he messed up. Yes, he was broken and he made mistakes and he continued to make mistakes. But he saw it as an opportunity to grow in God. He lived in light of the plan that God had for him. When you do that, you'll be more faithful and you'll be more fruitful. 
as you take a conscious decision in your life to learn from your difficulties, you will grow into the person that God has called you to be. And you can't do any of this alone. You need the church family to respond in the ways that God would want you to respond. And so we want to give you opportunity this morning to step forward um, and to respond in different ways. If you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus today, then Paulie and I are going to be at the front here and we would count it an absolute privilege to pray with you and for you. To turn from your sin and to run to Jesus and to believe that he is going to work out all things in your life and that he is going to bless you abundantly. Become a Christian this morning. Put your faith and trust in him. Maybe this morning you're holding on to something from the past. Maybe that's controlling your life. It affects all that you're saying and doing. Again, come forward and receive prayer. Or maybe you're struggling with ill health, a pain, or something physically that's just overwhelming you. Then in line with God's will, we want to pray this morning for healing. We believe in a God who heals and who can bring about transformation. Maybe you're just feeling overwhelmed present day. Today there's a situation that you're facing and you can't see any way forward. You're just, it's like a big dark cloud over your life and you don't know what to do. You don't know how to break free from it. Well, you need prayer. None of us have got it together, but together we've got it. We need the support of the church family. And so come forward for prayer this morning. As we sing together, as we respond in this time of worship, let me invite you to come to the table. If you have faith in Christ, then I invite you to come to the table to break the bread and to remember Jesus' body that was given for you. And as you break that bread, to then dip it into the cup and to remember, to rejoice and to reflect upon Christ's blood that was shed for each one of us. What an incredible saviour we have. He has done all this for us and all we have to do this morning is receive. And so let us respond let us sing and let us receive all that God would want to give to us. Let me pray and then we're going to respond in a time of worship. Lord, you are, are so good to us. Uh, and Lord, we thank you for the ways in which uh, you bless us uh, and you provide for us. Lord, we want this place to be a, a place where uh, you work in our life. Uh, an opportunity for us um, to let go of the past, to let go of even the present right now, maybe something that we're, we're struggling with or feeling overwhelmed by. And Lord, we pray that we would fix our eyes upon you and that we would trust in you. Lord, for any of us who haven't yet came to that place of faith and trust in you, Lord, we pray that today would be the day of salvation. And Lord, we pray that we would respond in repentance and in faith and that we would know your greatness and your goodness in our lives. And so we ask, Lord, that you would minister to us, that your spirit would be at work, and that you would shape us and mould us into people that you call us to be. And it's in your precious name we ask this. Amen. <laughs>